Welcome survivors, burnout community, and those disinterested. It's Kelly Bubolt's owner, trainer, and burnout prevention mentor at KB Training Connections. Burnout is not taboo, it's a reality in this fast-paced society. But we are not gonna let it drive the narrative to our stories. We're gonna do something about it. So let's dig in. I've been digging into your personal habits and actions causing burnout and what you can do to prevent it. But now it's time to flip the script a little. I want to talk about what our employers do to contribute to burnout. And what's interesting is most people point the fingers at employers right away. But I'll tell you through my recovery and research that 95% of our personal habits and actions are causing the burnout. We're not establishing healthy boundaries. We're not completing healthy habits on a daily basis. And then we're fueling burnout through unhealthy foods alcohol, drugs, desocialization, constant social media, the list goes on and I will dig into that in another episode. But I want to flip the script into one source of burnout, which can be coming from your employer. When I looked into this, the books are definitely biased. When you read self-help books around burnout, they focus on the individual. When you read employer contributions to burnout, 100% of the contributions on the employer. So you have to take this research with a grain of salt. But I stumbled upon research by Maslach and Leiter from 1997, almost 25 years ago. And they had six sources of burnout that the employers contribute to each employee. And it's pretty much sound with what is happening today. So I wanted to talk about the six sources. Because although an employee has a lot of control in their burnout journey, and if they're going to swing towards energy or stay in burnout, there is six sources I do see when I work with clients that are pretty prevalent during this time. So let's dig in. The first one is work overload. So this is not just we're busy right now. This is we're busy all the time and nothing is giving. So that might be you have too much to do and too little of a time. You might not have enough resources. This is really common in places that are struggling with manning right now. So you take on the workload temporarily, but when more workforce employees leave, you might be doing this indefinitely. And that can lead to burnout because it's not temporary anymore. You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Overworking could be too many hours in a week. So some of that, again, is in the employee's healthy boundary conversation to say, I will not be working at night. I will not be checking my emails at night. Call me for emergencies, those type of things, but we don't have those conversations. But that's why it's in the employer's control to start or initiate these conversations to say, these are emergency contacts. These are the only people that should be contacted after hours. Everyone else, shut off your phones. We'll see you tomorrow. Again, we need to find a healthy boundary between work-life balance so that people aren't overworked and we start maintaining those limits. I came from manufacturing, 24-7 operations, so this was extremely difficult, as also one of the emergency contacts. But when I reflect back on this, there's a lot of conversations and trainings I could have had with important contacts at the plant in order for me not to get contacted throughout dinner, throughout the weekends, and those type of events. You certainly don't want to come off as, don't contact me, but you also want to establish that healthy relationship saying, I'm not at my best if I can't get rest away from here. And if you don't check out at night from work, by the weekend, you're exhausted. It all will catch up to you eventually. 
So what employers can do is look at the workloads. What do you need to do and what can wait or go into a parking lot? The second one is lack of control. So this means that you might have too much control of your employees, especially in this COVID time where we have additional policies and procedures in place regulating who they can talk to, where they can talk to the mask, no mask. All of those items are taking away the control that they used to have. So we need to give employees opportunity to make choices, solve the problems, and make an impact. So you need to establish the end goal and give them opportunity to, to find their own routes. And this may seem silly in new hires or people that are newly training, but you have to remember, we like to say micromanagement mode because we have the control. And we need to move to coaching so that we allow our employees to actually experience their skill set and grow. And that will give them naturally opportunity to make their own choices. The third one is insufficient reward. So there's a lot of recognition going on, gift cards, pizza parties. But the problem with that is sometimes the action is disconnected from the actual source of the reward. For example, you have a workforce that's working a lot, a lot of hours. They're taking on extra responsibilities because they're missing some people in the workforce. And then you throw them a pizza party, but you change nothing about their workload. You give no opportunity to discuss how are we going to move forward. So if you've ever seen the new hashtags, hashtag last pizza party for the people that are resigning or really pissed off, that's where that comes from. It's the reward. It's completely disconnected from the action that they want changed. Another way that isn't being rewarded is supporting internal pride. And this comes from meaningful work. When people get done at the end of the day, are they proud of their day? Are they proud of everything that they completed? If they're not, if they don't have that meaningful work, they're missing that internal pride from their work. They're going, they're going into zombie mode. They're just doing the same thing over and over again. And the other thing that happens when you have insufficient reward is you start to devalue others. And that's why training, team building, one-on-one -on -one meetings are so important because you stay ahead of this. Because the moment that starts creeping in, it is very difficult to start rerouting. And most time people don't want to have the difficult conversation so it gets worse. So reevaluate the pizza parties and actually ask yourself, what would make people happy? The fourth one is unfairness. So this is an interesting concept in HR because in HR, you're kind of a third party to all departments. And so you can see the unfairness across departments. And it could be because of the leader. Maybe one leader is more active in their team than others. Maybe one leader is more hands-on than others. Maybe one leader does more people management than the day-to-day -day stuff. And so their people feel supported and listened to. And so it can come in all different forms. But basically, are people shown respect? Again, are their voices heard? All the things we just discussed in the first three. Is their self-worth conformed? Are they just an employee? Are they just a number on the schedule? How are they being confirmed of their value being brought to the company? Unfairness can be shown in inequity of workloads. So as a high performer, I often got the difficult or large tasks. And it seemed like other people that could have done some of these projects or tasks were not given it. And I have two problems with that. One, your high performer is being overloaded. 
which then squashes creativity. It squashes innovation. It squashes team building and time for their own employees. But also, you're being over-responsible for the people that need to be addressed in poor performance. See, when we put all the workload on our high performers for the short-term return, we're not helping the underperformers grow. And it will continue on year over year like that until that employee either is just the underperformer, and that's who they are, or eventually gets terminated. So an equitable workload means you tap into people's skill sets. And there's certainly people that are better at customer service than others or computers or conflict management or project management. And you want to hone in those skills, but you want to make sure that you're not forgetting to develop those that don't have them. Because sometimes they just need the time invested to be the next high performer. The fifth one is breakdown of community. Wow, is this prevalent right now? We have been separated six feet apart, masks on so you can't see body language, at home, in work, hybrid, don't use conference rooms, stay at the lunch rooms. Talk about a breakdown of community. So what we want to do is look at, in our new environment, what kind of positive connection can we start creating? And there's so many options on this. If you're interested, please shoot me an email through my website. And I'd be I'd love to talk about some team building activities you can do virtually, hybrid, in person, to start getting that positive connection back. Because when people have that, it's hard to leave. This great resonation that I keep hearing about, it's easy for employees to leave because they're stressed. They don't have community anymore. They're not leaving anything. They are literally leaving a job. See, when you have a community, it's more difficult to leave. You have people you're letting down. You have people you're going to miss. And the stronger that connection is in the community, the more retention you will have. Are they getting praise? Do they have comfort in their team? Do they have happiness? Do they have humor? So things have to be looked at a little different. Instead of just focusing on the short term, what do we have to do to get through today? We need to look at the long-term community effects of our workforce. If it's not difficult for them to leave, then you have no retention strategy. And you're just breeding burnout. Let's go into number six. This one's an important one. This one you can really only get to when you know an employee, which comes through one-on-one -on -one meetings and building on that long-term re relationship to rapport where they can trust you. And that's value conflict. So this is when the requirement of the job and the principal principle of someone is not aligned. It could be as straightforward as unethical or a violation, or it could just be that boss I've told, I don't like to communicate this way and to keep communicating with me this way. Or that boss knows that I value attendance and he's always late to meetings. Or I need a reflection time before the meeting starts to think about what we're going to talk about. And she or he splurts out what we're going to do right before the meeting. I have no time to reflect. So I'm disengaged during the meeting. I don't have a voice during the meeting. So do you know your employees' values? And there's an exercise I go through in my leadership coaching called bad boss traits and good boss traits. And there's six sections in each. And you basically lay out your best boss, what were the traits they had? And your, your worst boss, what traits do they have? And when you look at that list, that is people's values. This is what they value in work. 
in support, in leadership. Once you know that, honor it. And during that discussion, you can say, I will try to honor these as best as possible, but I am human or I do have a lot of team members. So if I mess up, I want us to have a conversation about it. Because again, people will be reluctant to leave good bosses because they're afraid of a bad boss situation or that they won't have that support and rapport with the next boss. So where is the value conflict? And if there's enough conflict there, yes, maybe it's time to part ways. But in most cases, you can find a middle ground where both the value of the company, the value of the boss, and the value of the employee all meet up. So burnout is really a syndrome of exhaustion, depersonalization, diminishing accomplishments. I look at my time as a high performer and what happened over the last year, and I had very minimal discussions on workload, lack of control, the disengaged rewards, the unfairness of how workload was presented between high performers and poor performers, the basically non-existence of community, which is my favorite part, and then the values that I saw of human resources. I was the people person and all that was removed from me during COVID because we just had a focus on the pandemic and, and keeping the workforce moving. So all that I valued was now gone. I will tell you that the six sources of burnout are 100% true in my burnout situation. Is it true in everyone's? I don't know. I'd love to hear your story. Again, I would love to to talk to you and reach out and hear about your burnout journey and what caused your burnout. But I want you to know that there's all different sources and variables that cause burnout. And those are the six that employers can contribute is work overload, lack of control, insufficient reward, unfairness, breakdown of community, and value conflict. If you're looking for a more simple solution, I want you to go to my website and, and grab up the Burnout Prevention Toolkit. You're going to get 20 pieces of employee education material to put in your digital boards or newsletters. You're going to get four employee challenges along with employee worksheets to start getting employees engaged in the burnout conversation. And then you're also going to get a leadership video that's going to discuss three areas where you can start to prevent burnout, which does include those one-on-one -on -one meetings and employer commitment to burnout prevention. Because you can say what you need to say, but until you act on it and sustain it, it won't be true. You cannot recover from burnout with prescriptions, procedures, or surgeries. Come join a holistic community specializing in burnout to begin your recovery. Each month for only $10, get a specialist lecture, worksheets, and action planning delivered right to your email. Take it from a burnout survivor when I say your recovery begins with just one action step. Burnout is a confusing and lonely, lonely journey. I want you to know you are not alone. I hope to see you here again for more recovery tips and education. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your family and friends. If no one shared the word burnout with me, I don't know where I would be today. See you soon.